Warning, this podcast may be back to the original sound that you know and love because we're no longer recording in the downstairs office because my leg is starting to heal and we're back up in the loft and things are looking good and there's still content and there's still bad language, most of which I hope you find offensive. Take a breath, man. You you did that in one breath. Fair play. It's because I'm classically trained as a operatic singer. No. No, I can't give you any notes off the bat. However, I, I choose to think that you're just very experienced into doing jacuzzi blowjobs. Why would I need to... Oh, the holding of the breath. Welcome to the Seesaw Podcast with Tea and Cleves. Each week, offering up a great perspective on life. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode. We haven't got Selena this week, so if you're tuning in for Selena, oh, sorry, we really enjoyed having her on, but you're stuck with the dynamic duo, which... Cleves and Cleves. He's just got a mirror in front of him, that's what you can't it's see. It's like Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Blind and Blinder. I mean, you can't be blinder than blind. Well, you can. How? We've done like a million episodes on it. Icons, anyone? That is true, but how do you define blind? It's basically higher or lower. It's like a you know a game of <laughs> Bruce's um, card. Which is blind is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah blind. <laughs> no, it's not blind is right. What's the card game? Play your cards blind. How's <laughs> things, Cleves? Yeah, fine. I did not expect it to go down a 90s game show route, but here we go. Here we are. How's things with you? Pretty good, pretty good. In tea news, we have a new mascot shortly coming to us. His name is Theodore Barrington. I wasn't known as Ted. When does he actually get here? So Theodore Barrington will be with us around three days after this episode goes live, I imagine. Have you set up the Instagram yet? Where's some Ted's Excellent Adventures? Excellent! Not yet, but I will do at the end of this. Okay. Well, we're sort of on the subject um, of your new dog vs. your old dog. Do you want to do some quick news first? Okay. Quick blind news. All right, my quick blind news. A little bit old hat news, but who gives a shit? Annie's Burger Shack creates Braille menus. Doesn't seem like a a lot of news, but, you know, a lot of restaurants don't do this. Your quick blind news? Quick blind news. The 3rd of February was National Golden Retriever Day in the UK. Do they have one of those for every dog? Mm, I don't know. All I know is that that was relevant to me because Theodore Baggington is also going to be a golden retriever. And that was quick blind news. Okay, let's get back on track. What you were alluding to before I interrupted you with news right. of the blind variety. Okay, following this, in this week's topic, we are doing, are you too old for this shit? Riggs. Getting too old for this shit. Not fishing Danny Glover, although he is out of work at the moment and we could probably You don't get know him. that. He's probably got plenty of gigs lined up. Nah. Have you heard there's a Lethal Weapon 5 coming out this year? No, I haven't. Are you sure you just not got that from Always Sunny? No. No, it's actually coming out this year. Mel Gibson is directing it. Of course he is. Yeah. So what do you mean about being retired and getting old for this shit? Well, we're talking about your guide dog and how he's retired and what guide dogs do after they retire. So, the working age of a guide dog, it depends. Sometimes they retire earlier, unfortunately. Why would they retire earlier? Sometimes accidents happen. I bet they do, with that rod. 
unfortunately, though, if we put it on a somber note temporarily, I have heard of a guy dog that unfortunately died recently because a cyclist on the pavement hit the dog and caused enough damage that a dog had to be put down. What about the cyclists? Did we put them down? I think they should be put down. Get off the fucking pavement. Yeah, that's... Oh, right, so the cyclist was on the pavement. It the wasn't... cyclist was on the pavement and hit the dog, and the dog was so injured they had to put it down. The dog was five years old. Oh, that's fucking disgusting. Use a rod, kids, not a bike. Or if you're going to use the bike, at least stop, pick up the bike, and then swing it. Because you know what? That's a fairer chance because the dog might actually bite your knob off. Get them, Ted. Yeah, <laughs> do it. So let, let's let say your dog hasn't retired because of medical reasons or accidents, stuff like that. It does happen, unfortunately. Usually a guide dog will work to the age of nine, ten years old. You usually get them when they're two. It's very rare for a dog to go to like ten years old and then they retire. It's more sort of eight, nine years old that they retire them now after a good like six, seven years worth of work. So my previous dog, Weston, he retired a little bit later, but purely because we squeezed him like a lemon to try and get as much work out of him as we could. Towards the end, he was working like a fucking lemon. He was. like He was working like a lemon at the age of like seven years old, and we just did everything we could to keep him going. Unfortunately, Weston is a very smart lad, and he figured out that if he didn't want to work... I literally cannot force him to do it. And at that point, it was very much, it's far too early for him to retire. How can we bribe him to keep him doing what he's supposed to do in certain situations? And we worked around that, and it involved sort of let him do what he wants at certain instances, providing that he did a good job in others. We stretched it out until the age of around 10 years old. So he did a good eight years. That's like 17 dog years, right? About that, yeah. For, for his sort of breed, like he 60, 60 to 70 years old. I mean, he's 12 now, so you're looking, he's in his 80s now. And you can tell, all he does is sleep and eat now, doesn't he? Like, he yep. eats shit and he eats literally shit as well. But if we want to dive into things a bit more, he's retired now. And shall we go through a little bit of the process of what happens when they retire? Sure. What does happen when they retire? What's what's his options? I think there's two or three options, and this is what we're addressing. Take him out to a farm. Old Yeller. Firstly, he's black. Don't matter. Just I'm talking about the scenario, not the colour. Blind people are truly colourblind. So there's two or three options out there, depending. Like, did, I'm just going to give you my experience. So the options that were given to me were... We keep him, so he retires, he stays with us, or or he goes back to guide dogs, in which case they have a waiting list of people who want to adopt a retired guide dog, in which case it goes sort of through, like, first come, first served, you put yourself on the list, and then the dog goes to them. Another thing I also heard was that the dog can go back to the breeder or they can go back to the puppy walker it's preference they can put themselves on the list and they take priority over the list of like just your joe public i want a retired guide dog so it's kind of two slash three options that can happen was the farm not a legitimate auction no not not with a click clack on it no but if they live on a farm the dog can go and live on a legitimate farm the live, sure. 
I mean, that's down to them, I suppose. The thing is, right, someone of a Labrador statue would probably feed a family for a week. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Just saying. And this is why you're a heartless fucking <laughs> bastard. I've got to bring the dark side to this. Emperor Palpatine over there. Oh, that's a solid Star Wars reference for you, considering you've not watched a lot of it. What about uh, as a fourth option, the two you said and the two I'm about to say, the fourth option, set them free in the wild. Let them roam the country. Well, they'd be dead very quickly. Well, I don't know that. Labrador's eat anything. You said it yourself. Delicious <laughs> diet of fuck shit and leftovers. No, no, no. I bet if you let Wes loose into the wild, he'd find a home pretty darn quickly. Yeah, but not in the wild. It'd just end up at a bakery. They'd take him in, probably. Yeah, they probably would. <laughs> the Hairy Bikers Bakery. That way they can fucking Come blame on. the fucking dog for all the not wearing the hairnet bullshit. Right, so if you're not going to give it... <laughs> let's just say, for example, then, you're not going to either shotgun him or let him free in the wild. Legit options, give them to someone else, right? Or yep. keep hold of them. They're your main yes. two, right? Yes. Uh, okay, let's say you give them to someone else. What? How does that work? How do guide dogs actually pick a family? So I imagine there's a waiting list. I, like I said, I think they prioritised the people who had something to do with the dog's life up to that point. So puppy walkers, the breeders, the trainers, that sort of thing. But then there is a legitimate list you can put yourself on to say that you want to adopt a retired guide dog after they've sort of finished their working life. So this sort of moves on to the obligations of what happens when they retire. If you are a person who's going to adopt a guide dog after they've retired, there are some things that the, the Guide Dogs Association in the UK, like Guide Dogs for the Blind, will require from you. First thing is they will require you to adopt the veterinary bills and the food bills. So these are usually things that Guide Dogs will pay for during the working life of a dog. But... If it goes outside of that original person who was working with that dog, you will have to afford that. And you've got to remember, this is an older dog as well. they got problems. In a lot of cases, yes. Mental and spinal. In many cases, yes, this will be a thing. Guide dogs will be on top of you for this. It's not like you can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get them their, their routine jabs and their flea treatment and their worming and stuff like that and then not do it guide dogs will check on you to make sure you are doing this so you can't just take the dog and be like oh yeah we're totally gonna do this and then not do it but you know a great cure for that well give them a clicky pen yes so the the other side of this is if as a guide dog owner you want to keep hold of the dog in retirement you can have a negotiation with guide dogs to see like you can negotiate what the costs are going to be to you. So when my previous dog, Wes, retired, I agreed to pay for his food, which I will say is not cheap because he's on specialist food because of medical conditions. But because he's been so bad with medical expenses throughout his entire life, I basically said to him, you need to keep paying the vet bills because insurers are not going to touch him. I can't insure him with a vet company because if you look at his record, it's going to cost hundreds a month. So your donations are going, people. But you could arguably say, after doing such a good job over all those years, this is what they deserve. Being looked after well and staying in a home that loves them 
Are you basically saying well. that when people give money to guide dogs for the blind, they're essentially paying for a pension for the dog? In some cases, yes. So, yeah, it's essentially what will happen is you're responsible. Like when, when the dog is retired, if you want to keep it on as sort of a retired guide dog and you've worked them their entire life, that is up to you to look after them. That's, that's something they're really on top of. When you, when you spoke about the, the vet bills, they literally take care of, do they take care of even the basic shit like worming and all that kind of crap? Yes. N- so not, you only have to pay for food, basically. That's what you're saying. Yes. Not in every instant. This comes down to the circumstance. There are some guide dog owners who will not pay for any of it at all. How do they get away with that? It comes down to negotiating with guide dogs themselves. I, I can't say. It's an individual. Oh, were you a poor negotiator? No, I opted. You should have had Samuel L. Jackson in that movie, The Negotiator. <laughs> I opted to pay for the food. That's good of you. I feel but better about my guide dog donations now. I didn't opt to pay for the medical expenses purely because Wes has had so many issues that it got to the point where I was just like, it costs so much. Is your dog basically just a Generation Z kid? Basically, yeah. When, when I was paired with him, I was warned by the person who trained him that he's going to be a handful, like medically wise, be prepared because everything has gone wrong with him. Like, wow. he works really well, but also he is a nightmare medical-wise. There's always something wrong with his ears or, or his so nose. So, if anything, he's more or... like a millennial, as in he's getting towards Generation Z state, and then he's starting to get shit wrong with him. But luckily, the millennials have still got the Gen X of, yeah, we just kind of get on with it. Basically, yeah. No, but I love him. He, he's a good lad, and he he does well. And even now, he's he's basically a braille book. He's got bumps all over him, and the vets have basically said he's a lumpy dog. There's nothing you can do about that. He's just all lumpy. And I was like, oh, can we do anything about it? They're like, well, no, not his age. Like, there's not anything we would willingly do. So, one thing. So, yeah, but you still have to look after them as an actual pet as well. So, at that point, like you have your obligation to guide dogs, but you still have to look after them as a pet. That's a good point. I guess it becomes a regular dog after that. Yes, but guide dogs will also check up on all the, like, the medical side of things, make sure the dog's well looked after. But essentially, it is a, like, a regular pet at that point. Okay, so uh, for the last like 10 years or whatever, you've had Wes, and he's like kind of your dog. But when he retires, he just basically becomes like a family pet. So does at that point, he's not really your dog anymore. He's everyone's dog. So like you're gonna have to kind of share the responsibility a little bit with like everyone in the household, right? You know, it's, it's an actual pet now. That's true. I think the hardest thing is sort of shaking that and sort of making that transition from being like a working dog to a pet. I think that's quite a difficult thing to do. You just need to shake it off. Shake it off. Ooh, ooh, ooh. But I think it gets to a point that throughout the working career, you're always sort of cementing, like, this is a working dog, a working dog, a working dog. And it's so important when you are training and working a guide dog or any assistant dog that you're doing the things for them. It builds that relationship and that dependency. So when you have a guide dog who's, like, helping you out doing all these difficult journeys... They do it partly because they know that they depend on you as well. So it's like, I need to do a good job because this person 
gives me my food, my water, my playtime, and everything that, that I have. This all comes from this person, and I need to look after it. So if we're being quite cynical, the dog is only doing it because they require you to be alive to provide for them. Basically like a toddler. Yes, just like a child. The child will behave because if they don't, you throw them in a skip. The thing is, when a dog retires, they still have that dependency. So this is where it gets quite tricky. The the thing is, I'm going into a thing where I've got a new dog coming in, but I also need to be the provider. So you also have to provide for the the new dog and the old dog. And that's that's the issue that I'm having at the moment. It's how do I provide for both of them? Because when I harness up Theodore Bagwell... You know that guy was a paedophile, right? Who's saying that the new one isn't? Touche. Do you think dogs can be paedophiles? I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why I asked the question. Carry on. So, when it when it comes to it, that that's the issue, like balancing that, and that's quite a difficult thing to do. And that's where family come into it. And sometimes you you have to like sort of let the dog go and just sort of even if you wanted to be a part of the family, you need to let them go. I completely see that side of thing. I didn't do that with Wes. But I can completely see anyone who's like, oh, well, I love them. They've been around for 10 years around me, but I need to let them go now. Can't get another dog. I can completely understand that. Do you think that would be easier? Yes and no. I love Wes being around. I think because Wes has been around for a year on that transition, it's been over a year of me being between a dog from his retirement and the new dog coming in. So I think him being a pet has been fantastic. I'm not going to say I'm not concerned about what happens going forwards when I start going back to work in person outside of the coronavirus pandemic and we're opening up now with a guide dog that now needs to be out and about in harness going and doing things. Well, the other dog's the opposite. Well, that's the thing. Theodore is going to be very much out and about. Let's get to this place. And Wes is at home. And this is a concern because I need to still strike that balance as a pet as well. It's not so much a pet though, because you can't really take both dogs out. Like, because one's super young, one's super old. Like, they just don't really match. The issue I It's like you can't take them on the same walk, for example, can you? Like, no, because guide dogs in general, they, they walk on the left. They're trained to walk on the left. So if I am working a guide dog, I cannot also take a retired guide dog with me. All I mean is, if you get Ted, right, Ted's probably going to want to walk for, like, 20 minutes, whereas Wes is knackered after, like, three. That's true, because he's old. This this comes down to, like, family and friends input and stuff like that, and, I mean... You basically say you need someone to pick up the slack a little bit. A little bit, yeah. During retirement, that is, obviously. Yeah. He's not a guide dog at that point. No. Just a dog. But I think, in general, this is a consideration that all guide dog owners need to have in their mind going towards sort of like the second dog situation. And I was naive thinking, I love my dog. I don't want my dog to go away when he retires. And then I never understood why guide dog owners would give their dog away, even after like a decade of working with them and living with them. But now I'm kind of like, I kind of see why you would do this. Like it makes more sense to me now. Because it's like the responsibility of looking after a pet who still needs the same structure as a guide dog, as well as having a new young guide dog who requires more inputs 
these are the things you have to balance. And I think it's the age difference is a big one, isn't it? It's like having a a person in an old folks' home and a, and a new, well, not a newborn, but like a toddler at the same time. It's going to be tricky to look after both because both have fucking vastly different needs. Well, when they both met, uh, both need so nappies. Ago. To be fair, Let's yeah. But a few weeks ago, when they both met, Ted ran circles literally around Wes, and Wes could not keep up. Wes wanted to play, and then within two minutes, he was knackered and just couldn't be bothered. And Ted wanted to just keep going, and it's like, well, this is not going to happen, mate. You're ten years younger. Like, what do you think is going to be the outcome of this? So yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird one. It's a weird one. I I can see both sides of it now, and I think when it's your first dog, you are a little bit naive, a bit sentimental. But ultimately, it's about the welfare of the dog. And I don't know. I I can't say like in ten years' time with Ted, will he? Will I be opting to take him on after he retires? I, Given I your current know. situation and the knowledge that you currently have. Do you feel like you've made the best choice for Wes? That's a tricky one. I think Gardens were not willing to help subsidise the bills if he stayed with family members. It was either me or no one. You just lie to the charity, though. It's like, yeah, I love him, and then just ship him off to, I was going to say farm, but family member. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if Gardens were willing to pick up the medical bills and he could have gone to a family member, I think that would have been the optimal. But they weren't willing to do that. Just lie to him. Lie to the goddamn faces. I, I could have done, but I, maybe that's my honesty shining through. I think in retrospect, I love having him around. I do. Thing is, if you'd asked me six months ago, I would have said definitively, no, how dare you say that? I want him to be around forever. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You made, you do that when I asked the question, do you feel that you made the best choice given the knowledge that you had at the time? Yes, I think I did at the time, but. If it were the case and I knew what I know now and I was being paired with a new dog now, I think that would have been a different situation. You are being paired with a new dog now. Yes, but I'm being paired with a new dog now, but I've I've got a dog that has been retired and become a pet at this point. So I think it was the sort of thing that if Wes was being retired now and I was getting a new dog now and the responsibility was sort of like hitting home maybe he would have been better off with like uh, family members or someone else like who who would give him a, a really good run around and stuff like that because it, it's a lot of responsibility so i like i said i don't know what will happen the next time around um knowing what i do now quite lessons though isn't it when you get your second kid you like to think that you've you won't fuck him up as much as the first one yeah, that's true. And I always have like I always like really be like have a special place in my heart for Wes and he's still with us and I love him the bits and I don't want him to go anywhere. Like he's not going anywhere. It's fine, him. we can get him stuffed. <laughs> well we can piece him back together after the shells have exploded his insides. But other than that Jesus fucking Christ. What do you want? I mean, I can even get you. I can either get you a stuffed animal or a jar full of goo. What would you prefer on your mantelpiece? I think that's deeply upsetting for a lot of people. People like to have their favourite pets around them at all times. I'm giving you the option. That's all I'm saying. Anything else we're going to go from this? So, my, all right, my last question is on this: Do you think potentially is is better to, for lack of a better phrase, farm out your dog to someone else? Then see the dog that you have worked with your entire life basically decline. You know what I'm saying? 
do you want to remember his best years and then ship him off to someone that can look after him? Or are you happy to take care of him during those final years, basically? If you'd asked me six months ago, I would have said, I'll have them till the end. In that case, then, what has changed in the last six months? So in the last six months, I've spoken to other guide dog owners and I have heard the pure devastation that comes with that inevitable day that the dog passes away. And this is this is very sombre. Do you want me to cue up that violin music? Mm, please don't. Sarah for the go find me. Over the last six months, I've heard and spoken to people who have had this happen. And mentally, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And I have heard from them that it absolutely devastated them to a point where they've had pet dogs with family and stuff like that. And this was a whole other level. And I know this is something that will be something that I will have to experience at some point. And I think that's also the reason why, uh, from what I've, from who I've spoken to, many people keep their first dog after retirement and go on to the next dog. And then the drop off of retaining the dog is ridiculously high. Like the dog goes elsewhere afterwards for the second dog onwards. It just goes to adoption, um, like the trainers, that sort of thing. Because they've experienced firsthand the devastation that happens from that first partnership. And they're very much, they can't deal with that again. And I won't change anything that's happened up to this point. I won't. I have no regrets on what I've done or decisions I've made. But from what I've heard, maybe my decisions will be varied going forwards based on the conversations I've had, basically. Which are always going to be tough. Yeah, it's a somber note. It's a very somber note to end on. Could be worse. Could have your dog in a jar on the mantelpiece. Could be Cleves. Yeah, it could be worse. You could have no emotional attachments at all. Yeah, what a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if you want to sign up to the Cleves dating site... (laughs) I was going to say, weren't your whole thing this year to get a, get a new Please squeeze? Please sign up to see you next Tuesday, Cleves, at... <laughs> <laughs> no, I know we're in a very somberly here, but let's be fair, this is a reality of life. And it it's very sad, but it is a reality. And it's something that every guide dog owner should be aware of. Like, you really should be. And this should be a part of your decision making. Unfortunately, it's the saddest thing, and you, you want to be like super proactive and shit like that. And that's great to start, but give it eight years. Then these are the decisions you need to be making. That's it, you know, sub but true. It's like having a Tamagotchi. Eventually, some kid's going to stamp on it. Or it's one of those cheap ones that you bought off the local flea market that works when you pull the little tab out, and then five minutes later, when you've got it around the corner, dead. That's called a Tonagotchi. <laughs> Tonagashi, more like. <laughs> I made those. I made, a, I made a killing off those. How do you think I bought this house? <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't own. <laughs> I'm slowly paying it off. Well, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> don't tell my mortgage advisor that. I won't. Not yet. Until <laughs> <laughs> we fall out and you need, a, you need a share of something. Yeah, yeah. There's show I need of is a Terence share. Oh, I fucking love a good Terence share. Terence share's awesome. Mm. 
Basil in there. Fucking hell. Yeah, boy. I'm more of a... No, did you say Basil? Oh, God. God yeah, no, see, I'm more of a brioche chair and share guy. Where are you getting that from, fucking fancy boy? It's just where my fucking rent money's going. Little. Oh. So Spend a little. Share a lot. <laughs> you fucking dweeb. Okay, let's finish on a lightenment note. Light, light, a lightenment light, note. Lightenment note. Lighter note. So, Cleves, how's your leg? Yeah, it's better, mate. Good. Good. We're in the loft. Nice. We're batic. Yes. Like back in the attic. See what I did there? Yes. Terrible. All right. Should we finish off? Let's just, let's just, let's done this off. Let's done this off. I feel like this is our Emmy award winning show, this one. This is the one that's going to give us the BAFTA in podcasting when they invent it. The PAFTA. Hmm. It's a pod BAFTA. No, I, I got that. Yep. Good. Okay. I'm glad you acknowledged that. Mm-hmm. All right. So till next week, enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. A nice sweet bun. Do you not want to? Do you not want to? Do it. I thought you wanted to plug your Instagram where it is. Right. So there's going to be an Instagram coming up. It's going to be Ted and Wes or Wes and Ted. Bad start. What what sounds better? Wes and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Excellent! So it could be a new Instagram coming up. And I'm just basically going to be taking pictures and videos of the two. Retired and new guide dog just fucking around. Also, I am going to be doing a slide rule project that Cleves isn't aware of up to this point, but there will be an extra little show coming out. Are you basically just going to do dick and heels? I don't know what that is. So, I'm going to be doing voice memos every day after training with Ted about the experience, what happened what I wanted, what I didn't get. And I will also be uploading those to this stream and it will be the TED Talks. Ah, see what you did there. Smart. So you can look forward to that on this stream. So subscribe, follow, or whatever the fuck. Like, rate, give us five stars. What, 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 what? Yep. Do whatever you have to do because the TED Talks will be coming on this exact same stream. I will just be chalking it up. It's going to be about 14 episodes. Because there's like two weeks of intensive training. So it'd be for all of those, unless I forget. Till next week, see you guys then. Yeah, see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening to the Seesaw Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Seesaw Podcast, Twitter, Seesaw Pod. You can email us at seesawpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on TikTok and Instagram at Seesaw Podcast or Seesaw Pod, depending on which one we want. But get us on the other places. This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience. Fun concept, <laughs> right? Lesbian cooking show. Hairy duck. You have to cut that. You I know. I know. I know. You I can't know. fucking say that. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> Jesus. I know it's controversial, but fucking hell, man.